Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Stuart Grazier. Thanks for being on the show, Stuart. Hey, Whitney. I appreciate you having me, man. It's uh, an honor and pleasure. Yeah, happy to have you on the show. A little about Stuart. He's an active duty Navy pilot who has served 17 years in the military. And thank you again, Stuart, for your service. We're grateful for that. He owns, along with his family, a portfolio of approximately $600,000 in performing mortgage notes, four single-family rental properties, an RV park, is a part owner in an apartment complex and mobile home park syndication, and has recently started a turnkey real estate company providing rehab, cash-flowing rental properties to their network of military, veteran, and patriot investors. He's also the president of the Military Investor Network, which aims to network, educate, and connect other military veteran service members that are interested in real estate investing. So, Stuart, thank you again for your, your service, for one, and then your time today on the show. And then I, and we're going to have an interesting topic today as far as you know how you try to get in the syndication business. I'm looking forward to that. I know the listeners are going to gain a lot from that. But tell them a little more about where you're located and what your focus is right now. Yeah, thanks, Whitney. I really appreciate it. So I am currently in Denver, Colorado. Like you said, I'm still active duty. I've been in the Navy for 17 and a half years. So I'm almost at the 20 year retirement and I'm at my last duty station, currently stationed at Buckley Air Force Base, which is in Aurora, Colorado, a suburb of Denver. I've been a real estate investor for a little over 11 years now. I started back in 2009 and you know, kind of been dabbling in really kind of all different niches of real estate. I actually started as a private lender, which is kind of the opposite of what a lot of people do. But you know, just saved up a bunch of money from deployments. You know, try to live below my means, and then just put my money to work as much as I could, trying to really find ways to passively invest while you know being an active duty guy. You know, deploying. I flew helicopters for for ten years, and then flew C40s, which is like a Boeing 737, and constantly on the road constantly deployed and, you know, working what, what is more than really a full-time job as, as an active duty Navy guy. So, you know, I've always been trying to find ways to put my money to work, did a lot of uh, passive investing, lending mortgage notes, bought rental properties. And as I'm kind of getting closer to the end of my active duty career, trying to ramp up my real estate investing, because it's really what I love, you know, starting to kind of get more serious about that. I recently started a turnkey real estate company with uh, another active duty Navy guy. He was my college roommate for four years. And so we've been uh, kind of flipping properties, rehabbing properties out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So that's been a, a real big primary focus for now. But uh, I did make an attempt at doing a syndication, which is kind of what I wanted to talk about today. Ultimately, I failed. And uh, I have some really great lessons learned from that. You know, I have been a passive investor on some syndications in an apartment complex. And so, I, you know, I kind of took that and kind of ran with it. And I'm just one of those guys that acts, jumps and, and learns as I go. So there's a lot of lessons learned from me failing in, in uh, an attempt of a syndication. Wow. So, you know, I, I love stories like this, too, where, where people are willing to share, you know, their failures or something that happened. But ultimately, 
you know, we're all going to learn a lot from it. I know you learned a lot from it. So hopefully when you do it again, you're going to be much better prepared. But And I'm grateful for you, your willingness to share this with us. But, you know, tell me, so you were you were focused on turnkey and single family. And, and then you thought, okay, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to syndicate. Uh, maybe you can correct me, but if I'm wrong, but you're probably thinking, you know, okay, this is going to be a way we can scale a lot faster. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So lead us into that a little bit. Ultimately, you created a fund or you were pushing to create a fund. But tell me the thought process behind, okay, what you were doing then and then where you you thought this was going to take you. Yeah. So, you know, I think syndication in general, you know, the point of syndication is is combining funds to grow at a, at a bigger scale than what you could do on your own. The idea that two other guys, they were active duty Navy as well, kind of came together and said, hey, we're all buying single family rental properties. What if we created a fund and got more of the military guys involved, combined funds to create, you know, a large fund and then go buy up single family homes in all these different rental markets. So that was kind of the idea behind it, pooling together money to go, you know, get a bunch of rental properties and and then, you know, eventually live off of that passive income after we got out of the military. Uh, so that was kind of the goal behind it all. And th- and I think that's kind of the main idea of syndication is growing and scaling through a group of people where you couldn't really do that on your own. So that was kind of the idea behind it. So how, what was the plan for, for raising the capital? You know, you get the fund started. What was the plan for building this investor base? Yeah. So you know, as, as we talked about in my, my bio, I started a, a website called Military Investor Network. And it was really just a way to try to connect with people, network with people, offer education. And I, I've kind of grown that throughout the years. I started, what was it, about five, six years ago. And I had a pretty decent base of members, um, all military guys, all just interested in, in wanting to learn about real estate. So that was kind of what I thought was my way in to this group of people where I thought we could connect with and start getting people to invest with us. You know, little did I really know that it, it takes more than just, you know, a, f- a few emails, a few phone calls to really raise money like we were trying to do. We were really going to try to raise about $500,000 to go buy rental properties every year. And the, the guys that I joined partners with, both active duty and Navy, you know, we, we all three had full-time jobs. Uh, we all three kind of did real estate on the side. And it kind of became just like a side project for us, which we kind of learned quickly that if you're going to take syndicating seriously and raising money, it kind of have to be like your primary focus because it takes a lot of work to network, to, to try to raise those funds. Um, so that was kind of one thing right away that uh, as a lesson learned, like, you know, it has to be your primary focus to, to syndicate properly and make that your primary focus. I agree. I agree. So, you know, you all were, were going to, cre- you created, did you, you cre- actually did get the fund created, right? We did. Yeah. So we, you know, we hired an SEC attorney. We, you know, paid a pretty good amount of money. We got PPM, the the LLCs, two LLCs, a GP and an LP LLC, and went through that entire process. We got to where we were uh, actively trying to raise money. And, you know, another kind of lesson learned there was that we, we kind of didn't really like set roles for each other. Each one was just trying to like talk to people, talk to investors within their network, and then try to like kind of combine forces through that. And so, you know, I think to do it again would be like really set goals and set primary roles for each individual that's a part of of the GP. And we didn't do that. You know, we were kind of just no method to the madness, kind of trying to talk to people, trying to get their investment with no method there. So was this a 506B or C? Uh, B is for non-accredited investors. We were primarily focused on other military guys. For the most part, most, most military people aren't 
accredited investors. It was a lower barrier to entry. You know, we were, the goal was we set $10,000 investment per year for five years. That was kind of the structure, which in itself kind of found probably wasn't the best way to go either because to try to get $10,000 a year every year for five years could have been challenging in itself. But, uh, but that was the idea behind it. So what, what was the first sign that, wait a minute, this isn't going the way we thought? So and we just weren't getting the interest that we thought we were going to have. The, the product itself, it was a blind pool fund. You know, we didn't have specific properties identified, which also was a huge lesson learned. You know, it was, it's hard for an investor to really look at something and decide to pull the trigger on throwing a lot of money at when you don't really even know what you're investing in. Our idea was, hey, we're just going to go buy a bunch of rental properties in these awesome markets, you know, for cash flow. Here's an example of a pro forma of rental properties that we're going to go buy. And that's all it was. It was just a blind pro forma of, of a rental property that they really couldn't see. You know, there's no pictures of properties. There's no actual data for the properties. And we really didn't even have, you know, we had come some markets that we were thinking about investing in, but there was nothing truly, truly identified. So people were really hesitant to invest with us. And really the only people that did decide that they were going, you know, they actually signed, signed the agreement were people that were like really close to us that just completely trusted us as people, not so much trusted the investment itself. We set a six month deadline for us to raise the first round came to that six months. And we were really nowhere close to raising the money that we had hoped we were going to. Yeah, you learned a very valuable piece here where anytime raising capital, I mean, that investor has to has to trust us. Right. They have to know us. But and ultimately, if they don't trust us, they're not going to invest. You know, and that's a prime example there where or you just said the people that invested, they're the people that already knew you and trusted you, you know, and other people were questioning. So if you don't have a, a long track record of, you know, operating as a syndicator or especially even a fund, you know, it's going to be hard to get people to invest, especially in a blind pool. Yeah, it's really just an investor investing in in your track record and your ability. I mean, they are anyway, but at least on a single one-off syndication, they can see the deal, they can see the numbers, they can actually go touch it, you know, and walk the property and ask questions of the operator. But in this case, they just had to trust you. So, you know, so six months goes by, you realize that, okay, the funds just, it's just not going to be as easy as we thought. Yeah, right. Correct. You know, so w- what happens then? So the three of us just kind of talked and, you know, as I said, it was kind of just like a side project for us. And we kind of just came together and said, you know what, this isn't working. We all have kind of our, our separate things going for us. Let's go ahead and dissolve the LLC and kind of just move on. Each one of us had, you know, different things going on. You know, I had recently started the turnkey business. I had rental properties myself. I was still doing private lending on the side. And the other two were doing the same. They were buying up their own properties for their own personal portfolio. And so we just decided to call the lessons learned and and dissolve the partnership, you know, kind of take it up from there and, and move on. So let's go over some of the, you know, what we would do different doing it again. You know, so moving forward, yeah, you know, from what you've learned now, or do you plan to do it again? Yeah, I think so. So, you know, I think one of the biggest things, like we talked about, like trusting in the person that's that's doing the deal is probably first and foremost, it's what as a passive investor investing in a syndication, I've always put that first and foremost is who is the person that is running the deal? And does that person have experience? Um, so for me, I think what I took away from it is, you know what, I'm just going to go buckle down and take these next like few years and really get the experience and be that guy that has the street credit, you know, be that guy that is going to be the one that can answer all the questions. 
So, you know, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I'm just continuing to try to network, build relationships with people, add value to people. I've started putting myself out there a whole lot more on social media and, you know, stuff I never used to do in the past. And I've done more in these last like couple of years since this uh, failure than I have way before just, you know, kind of throwing myself out there, you know, and then I'm starting to try to buy some stuff myself. You know, I just closed on an RV park. It's small. It's a, it's a 20 pad uh, RV park, but it's kind of my first attempt at learning the business on the commercial side of it. And so I've kind of doing that. And then on the turnkey business, we're raising money, but it's, you know, from one person at a time. And so interestingly enough, we've raised about $500,000 of capital to use in our, in our flipping and turnkey business, but it's from onesie twosies and not, you know, a large group of individuals. So, you know, I'm trying to build that trust, build that experience, you know, in a few years, I think we'll make another attempt at it and maybe do it with some different partners. Wow. So, so you, you mentioned like you're putting yourself out there more and you've already raised some capital from investors in a, in a different type of business and anything else that you do different when you're, when you're going to do that fund the next time, or maybe up to that point. Unless you're like, you know, Brandon Turner on bigger pockets and you can do a huge blind pool fund. I think the way to go is to have a specific property identified. I don't think I would do a blind pool again. If I'm going to go syndicate, I'm going to create a syndication solely based off of one property. So that, you know, really like have the property under contract, ready to go, actual numbers on it. People can go and view the property, walk the property and see what they're investing in. So that's definitely what I would do next time, you know, when we come around again for for an attempt at it. What about, you know, just fielding those investor questions? What were some of the questions that maybe you had just helping the, the listener to prepare also for those questions? What were some of the questions that you know now that you'll be prepared to answer the next time that maybe you weren't this last time? <laughs> the the way we did it, just like the blind pool fund, it just wasn't a very good way to go because, you know, some of the specific questions that an investor would ask, like you didn't really have the answer to because you didn't have a specific property lined out. You didn't have a market lined out. Getting into the nitty gritty of, of looking at a P&L statement, it was all just kind of, it was just, it wasn't real, right? And so trying to explain what you're hoping for and what your goal is, it was all just on a pro forma basis and you couldn't really answer the questions that they were hoping for. So that's, that's why we didn't really get the interest from investors we were hoping for. Our plan was to not pay a profit at first. Our plan was just to pool all the funds, go buy a bunch of rental properties, take the cash flow from those rental properties, keep it in-house within the fund, and then go buy more as we have enough money without paying any dividends to investors for the first five years. Investors didn't like that. And uh, the idea behind it was to, to grow the assets to where we could have enough income and cash flow coming to where you could actually have a bigger return on your investment overall, but you would take really zero cash flow up front. So it was kind of like a, a longer term play. But what we've you know kind of taken away from that, I think investors would prefer to have a smaller return, but have it immediately month one after investing versus waiting for that long-term higher return on investment. So that's probably something that, you know, definitely would do over is have that preferred return immediately uh, once you buy the property. Yeah. You know, Stuart, you know, how are you preparing for another potential downturn that everybody's talking about? 
So I definitely am, I'm trying to keep a pretty good size cash reserve, you know, just in case there is a downturn. I'm also trying to invest in assets that I think won't have as much of an impact. So like I said, I just purchased an RV park and the the idea behind that is affordable housing, which is really needed right now. Where I bought was a small country suburb outside of Dallas-Fort Worth, which is where I'm originally from. And Dallas-Fort Worth in general has uh, been growing a lot and it's becoming pretty expensive and um, the affordability factor there is is an issue. So I think that alone is kind of a hedge against a downturn. Uh, I also like the idea of, of owning the land and not owning the actual property. So although I own a few of the RVs right now where this park is, the goal is to sell them all off through either seller financing or rent to own contracts. So that way, all I have is the land and the maintenance of that land and the upkeep and then everything else is you know, owned by the actual individual. That I think is a really good hedge against a, a downturn. And then you know, just kind of pl- trying to play it safe and really keep my eye on the pulse of where the market is. And uh, our, I know nothing about an RV park, but an RV park, now, I mean, these are actual RVs, somebody you could hook up to your truck and pull out of there, right? Yeah, so this one is a little different than a typical RV park. These RVs, for the most part, are owned by the park, and half of them are on rent-to-own contracts. So the people living in them, although they act like they're going to own it, they couldn't just pull the truck up and leave because they typically they really don't own them yet. They are they are skirted. A lot of them are sitting on center blocks. They don't even have wheels on them, and you know there's porches built onto the side of them. So it mo- acts more like a mobile home park, but they really are RVs. So that's kind of what I liked about it because, you know, a true traditional RV park is, is correct. I mean, they can park in and out. It's on a monthly basis. There's a chance for it to go vacant pretty quickly. And this one is, is really more like an, a mobile home park. Okay. Well, a few questions before we run out of time, Stuart. But what's a way that you have improved your business recently that we could apply to ours? Like I said, I think trying to add value and, and throw myself out there through more just phone calls with investors, just trying to help them in any way I can. I'm doing that a lot more and uh, just trying to build relationships that way, offer advice, doing stuff on social media, writing blog posts, doing videos. I've just been trying to scale that a lot more within the last couple of years. So I think that alone is really just getting some traction as far as just building and growing my network. It's helped out a lot. I also, with the turnkey business, we've really started to put a lot of systems in place, you know, using project management software, you know, using uh, CRM tools, using Slack and Asana and, you know, creating those systems to where it could be the same every single time. So where you can kind of have that process and system in place and you can move that into any market. And I think that would apply to, to really any real estate business. Now that you've done this fund, I, I'm interested to hear this as well. Uh, but like, what's your, your best advice for caring for an investor so they want to return to the next deal? Continuous communication is, is super important. Since I've been a, a passive investor as well in some syndications, that's been really powerful for me is really getting that continuous feedback, continuous communication, and over-delivering on communication and, and you know, your return is, is huge. So, you know, I will absolutely make my best effort at doing that as well uh, when I do plan on syndicating again. And that's what we do with our private investors for our turnkey businesses. You know, we're always telling them about what we're doing, sending them emails, giving them phone calls, updating them on how deals are going, what we have in the pipeline. So I think that's super important. And what's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Not being scared to fail. 
honestly. And I've failed in a lot of different ways and I've had some major setbacks. You know, I've, there's been times where I've lost a lot of money, but the drive to continue and push forward after failing and taking and learning from those failures is, has been, I think, a huge part of the success. And how do you like to give back? So our company, Storehouse 310, we uh, take the first 10% of our profits and give that to a, a nonprofit organization. We support a nonprofit called uh, Warriors Heart Foundation, which is out of Bandera, Texas. And it is a healing center for uh, folks with PTSD and alcohol or drug addiction. And so you know, PTSD and, and veteran suicide is a really big deal right now. And so we, we support them with our company, Storehouse 310. And then, you know, just like I said, continue to try to help and educate other military veterans. Uh, we have the Military Ambassador Network, which um, is solely with the idea of connecting, educating, and helping people. And then recently I also started a mastermind group, again, solely for military veterans that are interested in real estate investing called the War Room Mastermind, where we have a, you know, a small group of people we, you know, mastermind with on a, on a weekly basis and we bring in guest speakers and it's just an attempt to continue to, uh, to help, you know, folks like me uh, get into real estate. Nice. Well, I appreciate how you give back and, and our veterans. A lot of these guys need a lot of help and I'm thankful the Lord was blessed me to be able to come home from overseas and to be with it mentally and, you know, all those things that we take for granted, you know, and appreciate that. And because somebody recently told me like the, I can't remember, but the number of veterans are like that commit suicide every day or, you know, yeah, it's, it's just a crazy amount. A yeah. What is it? 22 a day. 22 a day. Yes. It's so sad. And, you know, these these men and women who have fought and have done hard things, uh, you know, and, and come home and it's hard to adjust. And you just can't understand it unless you've been there. So, yeah. uh, you know, but thank you again, Stuart, for your time today. I appreciate this, the value you've created today and really being willing to share about, you know, what you call a failure. But I think you're going to be much more prepared for the next one, you know, because of this. And so will our listeners. I appreciate that and, and your service. And but tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you. Yeah. Again, Whitney, I appreciate you having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. And an honor. So I have a few different things going on. Like I said, I have the Military Investor Network. You can just you know Google the website militaryinvestornetwork.com. That's really for any military veteran that's interested in real estate investing. Just a way to connect and continue to stay educated. You know, I have all the social media channels: uh, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Just search for my name, Stuart Grazier, on LinkedIn. We have a mastermind group. It's called War Room Mastermind. If you're a military veteran and interested in joining our mastermind group. Uh, you can email wrmastermind at gmail.com. And then lastly, I have the, the turnkey company called Storehouse 310 Ventures. You can find our website at storehouse310turnkey.com. If you're interested in buying you know, turnkey rental properties, we're based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, you know, I think we offer pretty good returns for, for cash flow uh, rental property. So yeah, that's it. Awesome. Thanks, Stuart. That's a wrap. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show. 
Brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.